Welcome to Cinema Spectator, a show where an expert and a casual movie fan watch movies in the cinematic canon. Today's film is no film at all because me and my good friend Juzo are sitting down in his room in, in, in with <laughs> a library. You almost said something else. <laughs> um, I was going to say dungeon, but uh, we'll, it we'll, is above ground. We'll but. talk about um, we'll talk about that movie later. Uh, <laughs> No, uh, we're we're together in person, and we decided because we haven't we haven't seen each other in so long. We decided to get together, and I guess we wanted to talk a little bit about how pessimistic we are about <laughs> about <laughs> the state of movies to well, some extent. I think for me, I am looking at the past three years of movies, and this is this is more so what we're going to talk about is the. Our favorites of the past, you know, we'll call it the decade. It's only been three years. Oh, favorites of the cur- of last year as well, since we haven't talk- touched on that exactly. But then yeah. also kind of looking at the decade so far and how it feels compared to... Because we were kind of getting into movies about 10... It was kind of around 2010 was for me, you know? And I yeah. feel like the beginning of the 2010s was like the when I started following movies, you know? And sort of seeing how do things look in the 2020s compared to in the 2010s? Yeah. Well, and, and both of us, you know, we met obviously in 2015. So mm-hmm. we've had, uh, the last, the last five years of the 2010s, I feel like was really pretty strong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then the, the five years before that, there were some standout years. I would say 2013 is up there. Mm-hmm. Um, 14 too. Yeah. And, and 14 was good though. Not quite as good, but you know, it's, it had, it had some, some pluses and even like 2010 and 2011, I think are really good years, um, mm. strong years. But I think in the past, since 2019, mm. we've really seen a decrease in the, in, in the frequency of great movies. And it's, it's weird. It's weird to say that because when I at in 2018 or 2017, if you polled me, I would have said that oh, these this this year sucked. This is yeah, like a terrible, right, right. you know. And, yeah. and Juzo can attest to that. I was very pessimistic at the time. Too. 2019, you were like, "This year sucks." I remember this probably in, for in the like first like August. You were like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but 2019 ended up being probably the best yeah. year in movies since, and kind of feels like the last year of movies in some ways. Right, exactly. And I, I guess, you know, we've talked about it a little bit on the show before, but I do feel like that's the direction that the uh, conversation might take. And we might do a little retrospective on movies from, you know, looking back on 2010, 2011, 2012, mm. um, and seeing seeing how that compares and how, uh, how much better they are, mm-hmm. you know, th- those years are than 2020, 2021, and 2022. Um but my question to you, Juzo, is we're we're seeing. Um, I would say this this has to do with a lot of the monopolization of talent uh, in the industry, kind of mm-hmm. funneling upwards either towards uh, big budget Marvel movies or downwards towards TV. You could say downwards, but mm-hmm. it could be you know just a a lateral move if you want to make that argument. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, these days it is. Yeah, but. In in my mind, a lot of the you know there, there's been a lot of brain drain when it comes to the movies that we like to talk about, which is you know kind of the mid budget, uh, ten to fifty million dollar movie mm-hmm. where that's where you kind of get a little less studio intervention, you get some creativity, you get some of these movies that are uh, not really looking to 
please anybody, but they're not, you know, they're not uh, paranormal activity or whatever. You right. know, they're not trying to be hu- the 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 movie that sells for, you know, a billion dollars when it was a mm-hmm. uh, $90,000 movie. Right. right. Um, do you do you think is that like your conception, too? Or do you think there's a different problem that's going on? Yeah, I think there's definitely the the bottoming out of the middle and also the kind of uh, I don't know. I mean, I, in some ways, I'm a little bit worried of my perception of this is connected just to theater, theater going in general and mm-hmm. how, you know, the movies that we're seeing in theaters and the things that I don't know, just the way we go to the movies has changed so much in the last 10 years that. I sometimes wonder, it's like, are we just missing some of the stuff? And there, there's probably small stuff that we're just not even seeing because it flies so under the radar. And we're at this place where it's it's not like it's easy to get a movie made, but like you can get a movie made for a very, very low budget. Mm-hmm. And there's there's tons and tons of movies every year that just sort of fly under the radar um, that we just don't hear about. Even I don't hear about because it's just, even if you're like autistic about it like I am, you can't it's impossible to follow all this stuff. Um, so there's, there's that aspect. And and then, you know, I think there is an aspect of um, a dwindling interest in, in auteur driven movies. And, and um, it's, it's one of these things where it's like, I don't care about the Oscars, but in a way the Oscars kind of, I want to stick around and be an important thing because it's like, this is now like one of the only ways your pe- people from, even a Jane Campion, let alone, you know, Spielberg or Scorsese or someone like that gets movies made because the only way you can kind of be mm. sell people on making a weird movie that's not going to make a ton of money is uh, prestige. And yeah. if prestige fades away and if the Oscars cease completely, I don't think they have any motivation to make anything that's not just for profit. Um, and I'm not going to just sit here and be like, oh, any movie that's a big movie, any movie that's a big blockbuster. I bet. In fact, some of those are going to be on our top 10 list of last year but um it's just a worrying when you see um and you see a lot of these filmmakers who are concerned about this too like scorsese or you know paul thomas anderson who it feels like they're almost kind of like getting in their last i mean the fact that like so many of these directors are making their autobiographical personal (laughs) movies last year kind of shows you that it's it's like they're reaching into their bucket list. You know, they're making the movie like, if, if we don't get to make movies anymore like this, what do I want to, you know, make, you know, and like Spielberg making the Fablemans or whatever. Yeah. Well, um, I was going to say, you know, the Fablemans, I think is maybe the, the quintessential example of this where it's basically like sun, sunsetting the old guy, you know, you're mm-hmm. like, all righty, bud, you know, yeah. we'll make a hundred million dollar movie and we won't expect it to it make any, big, any but profit, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I mean, it basically was with with uh, well, marketing and yeah. I mean, it lost a lot of money for sure. Um, and you know, we'll we'll do this and and that'll be it for you. You know, basically, and that's that's kind of the the thing that people are worried about that I'm worried about. Yeah. And even you know, I'm I'm getting more and more concerned about someone like Tarantino who has a lot of life left, who's yeah you know, sixty or whatever. He just turned sixty um, or something. Yeah. And he's saying, ah, that's it for me, basically. Yeah. Like, that's scary because yeah. that, I think, you know, maybe there's another motivation for him other than, oh, I don't want to be the old grandpa who's, you know, out of touch with film. I don't want to yeah. be Billy Wilder, basically. Yeah. 
Um, Even though I don't think he would be, but he he's seen so much of film history where people have bottomed out in old age. I I guess, but also he hasn't. If if he if he's talking about um, the people in the old Hollywood system, he's not really talking about people like Scorsese, people mm-hmm. like Spielberg, mm-hmm. who are con- continuously making mm-hmm. excellent movies. No, it's changed a little bit recently how you're seeing a lot of directors. And I don't know if it's just because there's kind of a dearth of younger talent or whatever, or just the fact that um, people have interest in these older guys in the way that maybe the people in the 70s weren't like clamoring for the new, whatever, William Wyler, King Vidor movie. Um because a lot of people, you know, Spielberg, Scorsese are the biggest ones, but there's other people, you know, Paul Schrader and uh, yeah. David Lynch, at least making Twin Peaks, um, you know, uh, Errol Morris. Like these these guys are still cranking out movies of, of quality. And that's the other factor I, I should have mentioned of what's the concerning aspect of all this is is the um, uh, rate of replacement, I guess you could call it. Right. With the, yeah. like the crop of younger directors. Cause oftentimes we talk about like, who are the great directors, even under like 50. And it's a pretty, there's a few great people. There's, you know, there's Damien Chazelle, there's Chad Schultz, Ryan Johnson, who I think is about to turn 50, Edgar Wright, but it's a dwindling list. And I don't think it's just because like, Oh, people are, you know, people are bad at worse at making movies. People used to be really good. I think a big part of it is, you're seeing an industry that's not conducive to, you know, when you're making yeah. a really cool movie, like, um, like pig, for example, you know, Michael Sarnowski is his first movie. Then what's the next thing he, he does after that, he's going to make a sequel to a uh, quiet place or something like that. So is he actually, is yeah, that- no, really. So, and that happens with a ton of people, you know, and, and there's also, you know, who knows if there's other, you know, a lot of these people like Spielberg and Scorsese, they weren't, great on their first movie so there might be people who made kind of like a mediocre first movie that maybe had the potentiality to become a really great filmmaker who aren't getting that next stepping stone because you know if you if you mess up one time you're either thrown in director jail or it's like all right we're gonna give you you know the, a tv what, pilot or yeah i was gonna yeah. i was gonna say like a, a bad like a mario brothers or something but yeah actually even worse is we are gonna be shifted to tv there's even people who have made great movies um you know like the director of uh, mustang from a few years ago i was like that movie was so great um and then she's just directing mostly tv in the last few years and yeah. even freaking andrew stanton who made like finding nemo and wally were his first two movies what has he been doing? Mostly television these right. last few years. And you know, maybe this is just a personal choice. I, I know some people prefer the work on TV because it's a little bit more um, it's like lower stakes and it's not you don't have to worry about this sort of thing. It's a There's little a more steadiness to it, too. Where, yeah, procedural. You know, if you even if you jump on like a show that's that's already had a season or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, that's continuous work for the next foreseeable future you know mm-hmm. it, until it gets canceled basically and I, and i will say here here's the here's the positive note to this negativity that we're um that we're throwing out there obviously this isn't our favorite way to consume the medium of film and of storytelling and mm-hmm. all that stuff but tv really has stepped up in some ways to mm-hmm. be prestige to be to have this element of of artistry of 
you know, technique and uh, this creativity about it mm. um, that I, I, I would like to commend. And, and, you know, some of our favorite people who, you know, either came from movies, someone like, uh, like a Fincher, mm-hmm. you know, have gone on to make really excellent TV mm-hmm. shows. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. some of our other favorite filmmakers who have never been, you know, in movies, someone like Vince Gilligan, where, oh, sure. you know, he's he's someone who we consider both of us to be just an amazing storyteller. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess he did technically make one movie. But yeah, um, yeah. But he's a, he's a TV guy. Yeah. But, you know, so, someone like him is, you know, he's up there for for me, at least, of being like a really just excellent storyteller. Mm-hmm. So so there is there is something about that that I think um, is is good. But what bothers me a little bit uh, and what is frustrating me i don't like okay for me an hour and a half to two hour movie is like a good time commitment of things yeah an eight to 16 hour tv show is way more time investment even if it's really good i thought that about succession because i'm watching it and i'm enjoying like every minute of the show but it's like by the time i get to the ninth hour of it i'm like okay I get it like right. enough, yeah. you know, and, uh, and now I'm like, okay, but then there's 30 more hours of this thing. I'll probably watch it, but, um, I, I just, it just, it's not my medium of choice. And, and, uh, there obviously are exceptions and there's people like Gilligan, uh, Louis CK, Alex Garland, I think made one of the best, um, really one of the best works of filmmaking of the last few years with his show devs. Um, but it's not, and I think it's not just television that's that's screwing people's attention spans up. But I think it's just like there's so many different options now. Right. I feel yeah. like movies are becoming a really antiquated form of like media, a form of entertainment, because the idea of for some people, you know, not us too particularly, but for a lot of people, sitting down and watching something for an hour, let alone two hours or longer is insane. I mean, when you have so many things at your disposal, by the way, some really interesting things that you can watch in bursts or you can listen to, or you can, um, you know, just scroll through on social media. There's so many ways to entertain yourself. Yeah. That movies, it feels kind of like, I don't know, like opera or, or uh, theater. It's like one of these kind of art forms that are going, you're even like going to a museum or something, you know, something that is not, I feel Jeez. like it's is falling out of the interest of the public. Well, I I agree with that, but I also think um there is something there is something to be said about the fact that with a different medium like a podcast or an audiobook or whatever or you know not so much scrolling TikTok, but um there's there's different positives with that i guess if you quote unquote positives mm-hmm. um with with something like a podcast you can do that while you're doing other things mm-hmm. oh, whereas yeah. uh, a movie and i think even even to some extent tv shows kind of operate in this way mm-hmm. i know they're not that's not like the ideal way to mm-hmm. to consume them mm-hmm. but if you just put on friends in the background or whatever yeah you're oh, not sure. you're not really engaging it's passive entertainment yeah you don't have to watch the way you watch the irishman or whatever but a movie is is asking a lot of you to to really sit down to turn off all the lights Mm -hmm. you know if you're watching it in your house Mm -hmm. um and to to engage with the medium in a very 
in a way that does feel antiquated. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's what you're getting at is the it's not necessarily the form of the medium, you know, an hour and a half to two hours. People, you know, millions of people listen to Joe Rogan for three hours. Yeah. Well, yeah. While well, you do something else. Yeah. But it's really the the engagement with that medium is is much different. Um, it's much more engrossing in in a way that i think is beneficial mm-hmm. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. is the the focus of of a movie where you're you're really supposed to be laser focused in and i even i even dislike having to pause a movie in the middle yeah me too and yeah. a lot of people do this just casually they're like oh mm-hmm. I'll just i mean this. i do at home all the time but but it's not it's, ideal it you know it's not the way that i want to be engaging with with a movie i if i feel like if I want to give a movie a fair shot, I have to sit down with it and watch it all the way through. Um, otherwise, it makes me a little disconnected in what I actually think about it. And, it, mm-hmm. you know, it you could color your perception of things. So it's like it's a very temperamental way to consume a story or whatever, mm-hmm. because like, oh, if the light is like coming in at a wrong angle, you get annoyed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And And so whereas like TikTok you just scroll through and it's mindless, but you, you kind of, you know, popcorn consume this, this kind of stupid medium where you're, you're getting something maybe, but really it's just this passive flow of, of different things stimulating your brain. But it's like, I think a lot of people kind of want that from movies. I mean, because movies are still sort of considered for a lot of people, uh, just a form of entertainment are just considered something basically just a, a longer form of scrolling on TikTok, and they're not really considered an art form to be for a lot of people that's what it is it's just like oh it's something to entertain me yeah and of course that's not what i think about them but for most people i mean and i understand that like if you're you're you have a long day at work you, you want to unwind and watch something casual and maybe you know something like friends is a better choice than you know putting on you know ingmar bergman's cries and whispers and you know feeling miserable about 12 years of your slave. existence <laughs> yeah, or, yeah even worse but i think i mean this is sort of where we arrive at just the whole discussion of of movie theaters and how that's sort of becoming yeah. more and more a um i don't know i just feel like most people i know don't go to the movies and if they do it's only because i'm going with them you know because it's like it is such a weird when we have all these options, it does, even for me, who like loves going to movies almost more than anything, even I'm starting to go like, this is like kind of not like fiscally irresponsible that I'm going to, <laughs> you know, pay money and I'm going, spending all this time when I could watch all of this stuff at home. And I still do it because, um, I mean, I like to keep abreast of what's, you know, what movies are new, but I also just... um you know, I, I believe in that experience and I think that experience is greater than anything you could have at home. But certainly when movies are just being um, like smaller new movies or even, you know, big new movies are being released on streaming. I mean, when that experience is the same at home as watching an old Howard Hawks movie or watching all these movies I've never seen, why would I choose watching some new movie that's probably going to be just okay when I have this history of cinema that I have never experienced the need to you know, all the stuff I need to see. Um, well, I, I wonder if, uh, I wonder if that's actually true because, uh, Top Gun Maverick was like an absolute, you know, 
insane you know it blew everybody's expectations out of the mm. water yeah and so i think there are movies and we've been talking about this for years you know we've been talking about oh streaming's coming you know it's gonna it's gonna take down the movie theater blah blah, blah. Mm-hmm. um and 2020 was the year that 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 happened mm-hmm. um sort of or that you know well, kind because of, of covid yeah was very uh that was the thing that that really kicked off this whole sequence that we're seeing. Mm-hmm. But even before that, we were we were saying like theaters are kind of dying, you know, and mm-hmm. they, and there there was a downtrend. But then 2019 happened where a movie like Parasite comes out, foreign movie subtitled, mm-hmm. and then it becomes a smash hit in theaters, you know, mm-hmm. before it came out. On yeah, streaming. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And 1917 too. Yeah. 1917. And it was all sort of this word of mouth thing. So I wonder if there is a hunger to go to the theater to see kind of a an interesting experience. I think everything everywhere also is one of those that that really mm, had a lot true. of success. That's true. In the theaters. And did um, nope to a smaller extent. Yeah. And and so my thought is I'm Obviously, the smaller theaters, the local theaters, things that we're worried about, that's kind of a a separate topic. Um, Mm. But I think theaters in general, people do still seem to want to go to the the theater for Mm. certain movies. It's just not every movie is going to have that same hit. You know, people aren't going to go out for like red rocket or something, you know, like it's going to be, it's going to be a smaller crowd to go see those kinds of movies. Um, and I just don't, I don't know that, I don't know that you could have a successful, well, I guess, um, thinking of Barbarian too, that was really successful in the theaters as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's a small movie that, that kind of had a takeoff success. So I, I don't know. I think there is, I think there's room for, uh, people to still want to go see the movies. I mean, we should just address the elephant in the room about all this. Is my my pessimism about theaters is probably largely connected to what transpired last year, which is yeah. like every theater in downtown Berkeley. Right, and most notable, I mean, the UA. I would have been not that sad about, but the Shattuck Cinema, that was a real like hit just to the movie culture of really of the entire Bay Area because it's yeah, it was kind of the only theater that had that many. Um, that combination of small movies. I mean, it, it was basically an independent, basically a, not independent theaters landmark, but it was, it was an art house multiplex. You, you could see on any given day, um, Oscar movies, foreign language movies, documentaries, and often all, all at once. Um, and that sort of, I don't know. I just feel like has, has really sort of, uh, screwed up my like movie going just because it's, it's, uh, you can't go and see these things in theaters anymore. And, um, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm like probably the last person who cares about seeing some small documentary in movie theaters, but it was like a way that gets you out and, and, you know, checking something off a list. Cause when it's at home, I feel like I'm not really motivated to see anything unless it's like Spike Lee or David Finn, like some, one of my favorite directors. Yeah. I think those movies I saw the day they came out on Netflix, but other than that, I mean, it's like, I, I'd rather just watch all the John Ford movies I've never seen or whatever. Um, there's too, there's almost too much choice when it comes to streaming. Yeah. That's also a thing. Um, what do they call it? Choice paralysis, I think. Yeah. When where, there's too, too many, you yeah. know, there's, there's too much and you kind of just give up. 
mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that is the classic. That's been the meme forever with Netflix is like scrolling endlessly until you never choose anything and turn it off, you mm-hmm. know. And and that that kind of has been my experience with with streaming too. Is that unless there's something that I really do want to to watch, the option of having something else to watch is always just tough. It's a it's like oh yeah oh. I'll put this on my list to maybe watch, but you know, there could be something else that I want to watch too right now, Mm -hmm, you know? And mm -hmm. it's like, it's like, no, just pick, pick something, but it's really difficult to do that. I feel like. And so I don't know. I, I wonder, I wonder if that's why people go back to the same TV shows. People go back to the same sort of things and kind of recycle podcasts too. Yeah. like Yeah. Um, and, and just kind of live in their little chamber because it's hard to, Unless it's recommended to you, it's it's really difficult. I feel like to to step outside of that. That's the other thing is a lot of people are just kind of caught in whatever. There's so much stuff, and they're just like, okay, whatever HBO is telling me, like I just I'll watch that because I can't be bothered to scroll through all this. And it's it's just it is again. You have to be like weird to be <laughs> you know because I have like all these lists going. You have to be insane to keep track of all this stuff, and also you know, follow different threads of, um, if you're trying to follow threads of like some director you're interested in or an actor, you want to see a bunch of their movies. They often are stratified through many different streaming services and, and yeah. you know, it can be, do- by the way, that I mean, if, you, if anyone doesn't know about this website, just watch would highly recommend that. Cause that's very helpful in finding where stuff is. Um, because before I just found just watch, I used to, I used to like plug in movie to like every streaming service and go through <laughs> like an insane person. Um, but and then, but even that, even with the help of Just Watch and everything, it's it's still tough because there's stuff that's on streaming that you can't, that's not on streaming, that's yeah. not available in places, and and movies that are um, sometimes like really well known. Even you'd be like be surprised or not, you know. Like there's a period where a bunch of like we're looking for Truffaut movies, like a huge swath of his film filmography wasn't streaming anywhere, and he's a pretty like well known film person. I mean then. So it's, it's not ideal. I mean, it's the other, the other side story of this is just like video stores closing down and that sort of thing. And then, I mean, that's like way in the past for most people, but for me, it's like five star and, and, uh, closing in 2018. That was just another hit to my movie watching. And I have sort of adapted to the Netflix DVD queue system, which is, is okay. And actually has a very good selection, but, um, it's just not the same. You can't replicate going through a video store and like looking at stuff and making a giant pile of what you want to watch um in in a virtual space i just don't yeah think, you know you you can the virtual uh, ways of watching movies are functional and it's fine but it's just not for me it's just not it's a diminishment i'll just say i don't miss the uh <laughs> the video store <laughs> situation was the last time you went to a video store i mean it was when blockbuster was still around so oh whenever that whenever that was before netflix so 2007 maybe was the last time i don't know i but video stores were always inconvenient right because you you go there you take out the you know the thing and then they like make you sign away your soul so that you bring the video back and then you uh, and then the you camera, like, I, I didn't expect this betrayal and then you if, you get like 14 dollars of fees every other day you know or whatever and, if you didn't yeah. return it well i I, thought, I also think that was uh well it's not good that you're like paying what all, all that crap but it another thing that was nice is you did have to return it like the thing at netflix dvd is i can just hold on to it and then like ah eh, 
I don't like you never need to return it. <laughs> and there's all this stuff about like like deadlines that to me are just helpful because when I would rent six movies from Five Star and have to return them in five days, I would have to watch every one of them. And of yeah. course, as you get into adult life, you can't do that anymore. But they were helpful for you, but I think for most people, they were just a hassle, and that's why people move. But but it's, it's, it's a Netflix. hassle. But when you have everything at your disposal and all the time to watch it, you just like never do. I mean, I have all these. Yes. I, yeah. I, I list everything that's on streaming like that I really want to see, like everything HBO, even like ranked in order of what I want to see. Even with rank, I barely watch any of it because I'm just like, well, it'll just be there. And I mean, it does get taken down, but that whole thing is hard to track. And um, I don't know. Whatever. It's fine. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, like, I don't want to just sound like like some elderly man who's like. Oh, it was better back in the old days. Because in some ways, like, it sucked. And the quality probably was worse. Like, you're watching DVDs. It's not as good as HD streaming quality. But, um, yeah. Well, I don't know. I I guess we should change. We should shift a little bit and talk yeah, about sure. um, the... Talk about, I guess, the the top 10 movies that we saw last year. And we, we did talk about a lot of these. But I'm sure um, you probably have a different list than I do. It's, um, it's there's there's a decent amount of overlap but um i think we we're not going to try and go through in depth the way we have in previous years just because i think we've <laughs> talked about a lot of these movies yeah, yeah but we can exactly. just kind of run through i mean we just maybe just like we you run through your list i run through my list and and we can just sort of jump in as we go um was there anything else i want to say about the year that well let's just let's how you just tell me tell me your list go from 10 to 1 okay um well, and well, I guess before that, to, just to preface, we're doing this because we are looking back on this, these past couple of years with mm-hmm. not very fond well, memories. Yeah, but, but mixed. I, yeah, but just to you know, just to give that little prelude, I do feel like um, last year was was okay. Twenty twenty one was actually pretty good. Twenty twenty was terrible. So it wasn't great. I mean, I don't know. Everyone, even a really bad year, you can have a few like really cool movies. It's just, there's a certain amount of, and and like in 2022, like the movies we're talking about, these are great movies. I mean, I recommend all of these, but, um, what's, what's different. I mean, I, I just did a, a top 25 like montage of the year and I was looking at like what I had in 2022 and there are movies that would have been in my like top 10, of 22 that in my montage in 2016 might have not even made the cut because they just were more movies now on the other hand that could just be because i was seeing more movies back then and part of it was like i was going to the movies in 2016 17 18 that was me at my most voraciously i mean i I think in 17 i saw like 170 movies in theaters (laughs) Uh, those numbers are like nowhere close to that anymore so it's a little bit it's not a scientific comparison, but well, when we get to comparing the decades, whatever, we'll, yeah, we'll get yeah. into how things feel. Um, but, uh, so just go through, go ten to one on yours. So number ten, I put everything everywhere all at once. Whack. <laughs> number nine, The Northman. That was pretty good. Number eight. Yeah, about... we, you could talk a little bit about what these. Oh, what, everything are... everywhere we talked about. Everyone knows about it. One best picture. I think it's mid. Whatever. Northman. <laughs> what is it? A Viking I... movie. Well, I I like everything. Every I did. I actually didn't talk about it on the podcast. So, oh, you weren't yeah, on that one. I wasn't. Okay. On that one. Okay. I like that movie. I just think it's it's positive or its negatives are kind of make the positives not quite as good. 
Um, and I think yeah, very much. So. I think it's got some some like things that I just I just don't like about it. Wait, so you put um, you put this on your list, but not men. Uh, I liked it better than men. Wow. I did. Yeah. Wow. Um, I would have picked a different top to. I'm like Mark Wahlberg on, <laughs> on Flight 93. If I if I was there, it would have gone down differently. Um, um, so the the Northmen, I really quite liked, and I um I thought it was. Um, well, it's it's interesting because it's a very unfeeling movie, but I kind of I kind of appreciate that about it, where the the characters just operate in a different moral system than we do, and so like yeah. to it's them, pretty brutal kind of. It's very yeah, just just heavy brutal. movie, and and I like the best part about the movie. No spoilers, really, but he he basically shows up to this place and like terrorizes a town for and becomes yeah. like a it's a, pretty a ghostly uh you know mythological creature, and it's awesome. It's just there's something about it that that yeah. really rocks. Kidman is great. Yeah, 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 exactly. I think the the end fight is kind of stupid, and like some of the stuff. There's some the, debate on how much it was his. Because he didn't have final cut on the movie. This is Robert right. Eggers, by the yeah. way, who made um, The Witch and uh, The Lighthouse. Yeah. Um, Which I really, I love The Lighthouse. Yeah. So. I still think The Witch is my favorite of his movies, but North Northmouth, it was, it was a solid movie. I, I liked it. Um, Babylon, we did talk a little bit about, but Great. I really loved Babylon. I thought it was, um, and now we're getting into kind of the things that I really liked. All, mm-hmm. all of these movies after this are... Yeah, Bab- Babylon I... is my number, I think, five. Okay. Um, and and for me, this is not um this is not really a movie for for everybody. Um I don't think I don't think most people if they saw this would be like as into it as I was. Well, I think it's I think it's it's just that there's like parts in the movie where you get you you can they're pretty upsetting or disturbing. But I think as a whole, it's actually pretty not like a sweet movie, but it's, it's very, it's a very touching film. It's not a, yeah. it's not a mean spirited. There's something about Chazelle. This is, I mean, Chazelle made La La Land. He made First Man, Whiplash. There's something about him that's has a, has a real warmth towards these characters. And I don't know, Babylon for me just was like kind of one of the, that, that in some ways felt like it summed up how I felt about the year <laughs> in general, because and in fact, I don't think if it had come out six years before, I might have just been like, hey, that was entertaining. Like, I wouldn't have mm-hmm. felt it on the same way. Right. But it felt yeah. like it was speaking to kind of what was going on. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Where there's there's kind of this sadness um, about the, like, rot of of things falling away yeah, in, things, in the system. Yeah, time is changing. Yeah. People are kind of, you know, being passed by. Time is passing people by. Well, and no spoilers again, but, you know, in the end, one of the main characters um, kind of just has this very dramatic shift in his life. Mm-hmm. And then he comes back and experiences that again. And mm-hmm. there's something very interesting about that of, like, stepping away from the craziness, the the wild... Mm-hmm. nature of of this beast of hollywood um and then coming back to it and and being moved by by what you see and you know there's yeah. there that that i think is but again people aren't people don't care about movies like that like we do you know yeah. so like we that's what i mean it's not for everybody not just because of the content but i think i think we're just in a in a more sentimental thought about about movies yeah that movie might not mean really much of anything to if you don't care about movies yeah it might just be like nothing to you but 
for I don't know, just for me, the way it was emotionally hitting me, and and just the feeling of sort of um, the it's at its core, it's about sort of the march of time. Yeah, of just like yeah, everything goes away, everything sort of changes, people die, and it was like the emo- when I'm watching it, it's like I felt the emotion of like I mean I hate to go- keep going back to the goddamn Shattuck cinema but like that's like what I felt like that right. but in some ways that is the, the closing of the Shattuck in some ways for me is like the definitive that's what happened to movies this year for me yeah because it's like I mean that was a place where I saw a movie for the first time in theaters I mean that's that's a place that's been there for my entire life and it means so much to me but for a lot of people it's like well this is real estate you know right and it's just like Time goes on and people, I mean, in some ways it's like, I think maybe it's, it's a good thing at close because it's like getting me ready for like, uh, when all my family and friends die, because it's like, it, there's a feeling of like, um, I don't know, like you'll, you'll never fully get past it, but you'll kind mm. of, it'll, it'll always be there. And then that the, in, in Babylon, there's just this sort of sense of, um, I don't know, sort of being part of something bigger and it's sort of just moving on and, um, leaving you too yeah and, and it's and it's sad but it's also it's sort of like you're grateful that you're part of it and and and, and it was and it was sort of beautiful while it lasted i guess is right. sort of yeah, right. part of it and so and there's also just outside of it when we're talking about the movie industry in general and i we're not gonna go as long on these other movies <laughs> but this movie i just have a particular feeling for um there was something watching that movie that came out in like december and i think i saw it in january and it also came out around the same time as Avatar, The Way of Water, which didn't make my list. I don't think you saw it, right? No. But it was it's a close runner-up. I liked it quite a bit. But these are both three-hour-long movies, complete blank check movies, one by a legendary older filmmaker who can do whatever he wants, Babylon by this young guy who's just kind of, I don't really know how he got this movie made, but he just did it. He got under the wire, and he'll probably never get to do anything like this again. And it was the feeling of those movies coming out at the end of the year after all that had happened and after um, just, the, just the feeling of kind of defeat, I felt. There's something about the that movie and especially the end of Babylon that just made me feel like maybe it's not over yet. And mm-hmm. Avatar, those the combination of those, and it's funny because Avatar of course became like the biggest movie ever like third highest grossing movie of all time babylon enormous bomb did terribly probably is destroying his career but it was like wow even with all this is going on we're ta- everything we're talking about how like young directors can't get stuff made this guy still did it and it's like people are still trying to make big movies with like big emotions that are in both cases really f- like flawed but they're personal to the people who made them and they're the kind of movies that I want to see when I go to the movies. Yeah. And so it was an interesting kind of rush of a rush of sort of, um, it's, you know, it's like the end of whiplash, you know, or it's like, you feel like there's a sense of defeat and there's like, there's you're running back for the sense of triumph in the face of defeat. It's what I felt. And it might be completely delusional and we're just <laughs> totally screwed. And like, it's all going to hell, but I felt that, and this is why whenever you, when you were talking about like, we're pessimistic about the future, I felt, I do feel that, but I also, I'm like, I don't know, maybe there's people right, like Damon Chazelle right. who are going to come, come around and make things right. I well, don't, I hope so. But he also did, you know, I mean, that movie, as you said, it just, it just did so horribly. I wonder, 
is I wonder if he's ever going to be able to make a movie again. Like that's that's the, uh, on the level of he might just have to. His next movie might be like um, like an insomnia level, you know, like a low budget, which would be fine thrill. with me. I would cool. be totally yeah. happy with that. In fact, I wish that would happen to Christopher Nolan too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it won't happen to Nolan. No, but but, um, but you know what I mean. I mean, they, I just for some people, you know, you get so big and so far out. Then you lose sight of a little bit of what makes makes you special. I'm not saying that Chazelle has done this mm-hmm. at all, but this is one of his. This is one of his messier movies, though. It is, yeah. Well, it can't help but being messy, you mm-hmm. know. And there is something to be said about, you know, it's a creative kind of uh, cacophony, but it also it it works on some level, and I think the emotions really run through it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, but anyways, we should, we yeah, should continue we just, on. Yeah, sorry. Um, some stuff to get off my chest. We about did it again. You know, yeah. We did it again. Um, so the next movie I have here is Banshees of Inishirin, um, which I really, you know, it's taken me a little bit, but I, I've appreciated this movie a lot more and more. Mm. Um, when I saw it, and I, th- I still believe this, but I saw it. Uh, with you for the first time. Yeah, awkward movie to see with your friend, by the way. A l- well, yeah. a, a little bit, but I, I, I think I mean, it's there's... like seeing Blue Valentine with your wife or something, you know what I mean? But, like, yeah. I guess, yeah. But um, I, I, I came away with it being like, this is a little bit of... um, This is like watch walking into like halfway through something that you don't really understand. Huh. Where you're yeah. like, where you're like, okay... I don't really know, you know, like you walk into a StarCraft II tournament or something and you're like, I don't know what's going on here. Why are these people like this? But I kind of am, you know, enjoying the back and forth. And there's something there's something that's interesting about that. Mm -hmm. Um, But on the on the conceptual level, you know, there's something about it where it's very in ingrained in the Irish conflict you Mm -hmm. know and it's not it's not something that i've necessarily studied a whole lot it's not something i feel personally any way towards and so there's a lot of pain and emotion that's being portrayed through the movie and all of these emotions are there and very real for mcdonough but at the same time i don't necessarily feel them in the same way right but but on the on the lower level of just as, as a film or is that the higher level? I don't know. Whatever. Um, on on the level that's not an allegory, right? Um, the movie does so many things that I love about McDonough, which is you know it's clever. It's got a lot of of heart to it, mm-hmm. along with the sort of dryness mm-hmm. of of his movies. Um, but then at the same time, it's very it's always very surprising. You know, these movies are his movies are very. Um, there's something to them that that it, it's like looking through a, a glass and seeing out the other end. You know, there's yeah. there's something where he's he's shifting a little bit of what you think about things. Yeah, he's really there's a real um, amazing command of tone he has in all yeah. of, in Bruges and and um, three billboards, all of his movies, um, where they're really fun. Like Banshees of Inisherin is a very very funny movie, I and mean, then by the end it feels like. You know, I mean, it's in a way it's like the two spectrums of the Coen brothers in one movie, like yeah, the the yeah. uh, the burn after reading to the No Country for Old Men, you know, because there's there's it's hauntingly bleak in right, places. Yeah. But it's also very funny. And it's just he su- has such a command of dialogue. And I think it's a really great movie about 
like male friendship and about just sort of, um, I don't know, sort of taking stock of what's important in your life and, and, and trying to figure out like, um, I don't know what, what really matters. And yeah. I, I, th- I mean, I think it's terrific movie. It's in my top three of the year. I, I just loved it. Um, my next one I have is Nope. And we did a whole podcast about that. So. What number is this? Six? Six. Okay. Yeah. Um, loved it. I, you know, I rewatched uh, Us with Isaac oh. um, a couple weeks ago. Huh. And I think I like Nope a little bit better than Us. Um, I think I might too. I haven't revisited Us, but I think so. I think uh, it's his best. Yeah, yeah, I might, I might be on that train too, but I really enjoy that movie. I love, you know, it just reminds me of like Jurassic Park or something. You know, there's yeah. something about it that is, is scary, is fun, is interesting, and all at the same time is very just adventurous and has that through line of, of you know, punching towards something that's like, you know, Spielbergian. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, it's less uh it, it's less like socially sort of um it's not like quite as straight an allegory for anything or mm-hmm. you know there's there's not it's there t- but it's yeah it, under the surface yeah, yeah and and so you know that's not a positive or a negative i you know it's just something about the movie that i think he's i think he's l- loosening up a little bit in that way Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe this was just for this movie, but yeah, you know, no, I, it's, it's terrific and yeah, very high on my, it, it's, it's in contention for number one. My number one mm. is kind of contested. Okay. Go ahead. Um, yeah. Number five for me was tar. We also talked about this. Tars. Yeah. And tar, I mean, there's, I think about this movie a lot where, you know, it's maybe it's not the most fun movie to watch ever. I guess so, but, but I, I think this movie is just spectacular and there is something, it is a funny movie. There is something. It is. Very, it is. It's. It's. It is funny. It's also um, very dark, and it has a lot of horror in it. Um, mm-hmm. It's not, you know, it's not a horror movie or anything, but it it has it has elements of that, and even even the sort of personal horror of things going wrong. Um, I think it it just handles handles yeah. really well. And she's just unbelievable. And yeah, no, exactly. And you know, probably best. Uh, best acting of anybody this year so it's uh, it's yeah it's up there for sure um my number four is top gun maverick um (laughs) which i i adore i think this movie is um just so good i think it it hits all of the notes of um this is like the right things about uh action movies that i love yeah um and obviously it's nostalgic obviously there's something uh a little bit cheesy and kind of it harkens back to the 80s way of doing things but whatever i like that that's that's cool to me you know mm-hmm. and and i enjoy and we can do that every now and then you know yeah. we don't have to make every movie that but yeah i enjoy going and picking up a style of filmmaking and redoing it in the most um just amazing and an awesome way possible it's a it's a great blend of like old and new because it has that kind of throwback feel to it of of sort of a simple like simpler story and characters and like very straightforward but then it's like the most modern technology used for actually great and kind of um beautiful ends in terms of the uh, the action filmmaking because i've never yeah. seen anything in a movie that looks like that. I mean, the, yeah. the, those, those flying sequences, it was just, just incredible. 
Um, I will say the biggest knock that I have about it is, um, uh, I think the love stuff is kind of dumb. But it's, it's, it's it's pretty corny. But yeah, I don't know. But it kind of needs to have that if it's a true you know movie of that genre. If we're if we're yeah that. yeah it's it's sweet. So it's it's, it's not. It doesn't kill the movie. It's a little silly. I mean, I'm not. I think the movie is. It's like my eleven or twelve. Yeah. Of the year. Um, but I like it quite a bit. And that's just the, the movie. It kind of feels like the movie of the year in a way, just mm-hmm. in terms of being the, the, it wasn't the big, I mean, Avatar made more money, but it felt like the movie that like everyone liked. Yeah. And everyone who saw it thought it was good. And it really kind <laughs> of the people it, who kind of were like hating on it. Yeah. Broke down barriers. <laughs> like people who are like, this is military propaganda, but then they saw it and they're like, yeah, I liked it, you know? And then there's people <laughs> who are like, you know, it felt like, like women liked it. Men liked it, yeah. you know, right wing, left wing. It kind of just like felt like it united the country in a way, which I just thought was kind of cool. Yeah. Well, and it, it just, it deserves that, you know, and yeah. that's totally, that's totally fine um and i'm and i do you know like i said i don't want every movie to be like this but i do enjoy a movie that has simple characters that has a straightforward plot that Mm -hmm. has this um you know this this art this is like quintessential hollywood Mm -hmm. going back to what makes hollywood great and what has always made hollywood great yeah and And i think that's happy i'm happy with that yeah and i think it transcends just being you know um passed off as just um escapism or just like entertainment or just sort of um something frivolous because as kind of silly as it is or even stupid at parts i mean i'm watching action sequences or i'm watching them like get ready to go i'm like like tears in my eyes so i mean it's it's like it rises to the level of art even if it doesn't feel like the movies that we often talk about as art um you know on this show so it's um anyway Uh, my number three is barbarian i (laughs) we talked about that right yeah we did i loved this movie i thought it was so good um really have nothing bad to say about it i think it's it's one of the um definitely one of the best movies of the year probably uh the i don't know there go watch the episode or listen to the episode because yeah yeah we don't want to talk too much about what happens in it that's a real going cold yeah yeah Yeah. exactly and i think it's still on hbo so just just watch it just put it on it's it's a great movie it's a blast And, and i'm uh you know this was one of the great things about it was it came out of nowhere, had word of mouth appeal. People went and saw it in theaters and it it just exploded. And this is like one of the success stories that that we found in the past couple of years. And even, you know, I saw that we saw the trailer way early in the year. Mm-hmm. We're like, eh, this is going to be dumb. You know? Like yeah. This, yeah. I mean, oh, something in the basement. Like, well, you know, we've seen this before. Right. But. And and even even though like the premise is is interesting, you know, oh, she goes to this Airbnb. There's mm-hmm. this weird guy. Is mm-hmm. it? You know, uh, but then you're like, OK, but it's just going to be the same old uh, dumb movie. Again. Yeah. And it's it it is in some ways, but it is also super uh transcended of that genre and i think it it really it hits it hits all of the tropes and it and it exceeds in all of the great things that make those movies where you're like don't go in there that <laughs> yeah. like it makes those things great um yeah. instead of being stupid and annoying i just thought i remember thinking about how it, it was so unexpected how it thought it made you actually think is this just going to be like a richard linklater 
indie movie, like a character movie, because it didn't start with the big, most horror movies. It's true. And actually yeah. most movies in general. And I feel like this is becoming even more a thing nowadays because it's almost like the movie version of do an intro for your podcast or do a little like <laughs> tease before the actual thing. Movies have to start with like, here's a big thing. And this, this movie, like he had the balls to be like, no, we'll just start. She just arrives at a house and she just talks to this guy. And yeah, it's, it's, weird enough or you're, you're like unsettled so it, it, keep, it keeps you hooked in everyone in the theater is with you're locked into it but he does it so well you almost are like oh is this just gonna be it's not a horror movie at all you know and then you're like well okay it is but yeah but it it works it works on all accounts it works yeah. as an indie movie and it works as a horror movie and all that sort of thing so my number two is the fablemans we also talked about this movie great but length yes i think it's um i think this movie is very special and it it unlocks something in my mind about Spielberg, about his work, um, and and just a feat of um, obviously it was a flop, so you know it's not a feat of of marketing <laughs> well, or of you know being able to to sell a movie like this, um, but it it definitely is commendable for for him to to do a movie like this where you know a lot of people said this was just like a puff piece you know this is just him self-aggrandizing yeah, or whatever yeah. um nah. you know auto fellatio or whatever yeah. you know but uh but it's totally not it's it's not at all and and the the movie um it's like a three-hour therapy session about his childhood yeah um and so you know there's there's something very vulnerable about that there's something very um deep about him analyzing his his the reason he makes movies and i think all around just a spectacular movie so yeah i mean I, I really think no movie has made me think more about like my relation to making movies and, yeah. or just making and watching movies and uh just all the different um the different ways our lives interact with movies I, it's it it goes way deeper than just the kid looking at you because if you watch this the first 10 minutes you're like oh it's just gonna be a kid like oh the magic of movies and it, <laughs> it's like so much deeper than that right, right and um yeah really i mean boy the spielberg doing this in west side story in, in two years is really i mean in, in a career yeah. of like many many highs this is like another one of those so yeah absolutely much respect um and then my uh my favorite movie of the year and I was kind oh my God, of that's right. I was kind of wondering if this was maybe just a meme, but I don't know that it is. I think I'm serious about this. Wow, this is not uh, what I expected. Um is Jackass Forever. Um <laughs> and I think this movie um it's hard to call this a movie to be honest. It really is. Um <laughs> yeah. but it it it, re, it there is something spectacular about this about it's this movie. Beautiful. Um yeah. The the I don't even I don't even know how to say it because it's an event. That's what it is. It's a spectacle. You, you I watched it in theaters the week it came out. Yeah. I was like this is just incredible. And there's something about these movies that are so insane, so over the top, um but also it, they do harken back to Buster Keaton and mm -hmm. the sort of, mm -hmm. you know, the comedians of the 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 other 20s you know mm -hmm. and so there's something about it that that really you know they they turn themselves into cartoon characters and mm -hmm. it's it's wonderful to watch um 
it's not a movie in the in in the serious sense, but it really is. It was my favorite movie that I watched of the year. Yeah, so. I, I, it's funny because I didn't. It's probably like my eleventh. I, I didn't put it in my top ten just because it 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 doesn't like stick with you in the same way because it's just a series of sketches. I mean, I I kind of love how unstructured it is. They don't try and make a story or anything. It's just something crazy happens. <laughs> yeah, they fade out. They fade back in. You know, a guy gets fired out of a cannon. They fade out. I mean, it's just a series of these little vignettes. Um, but there is a real art to what they do. And it is... 100%. Um, like the Keaton comparison is great. Cause, and it's funny because we're talking about Cruise because I think he, Tom Cruise and like the jackass guys are kind of the two... Uh, getting the two sides of Keaton, keeping those alive. The yeah. comedy and the like, I can't believe he's doing this. This is the most dangerous thing ever. Um, well, I mean, the jackass guys also are doing that. Um, but I mean, I... It's it's one of those things you probably want to get like a group of people together and see because it's it's fun to sure. see, more fun to see with a group. I mean, most fun to see in the theater. But you, if you're someone who wouldn't think you'd like it, I would still say like check it out because I my dad was basically dragged kicking and screaming to this movie. <laughs> I only got him to go because I got my uncle to see it. Yeah, and I mean it was maybe the most fun I had in any movie. <laughs> last year and i'm kind of like and i should have put this on my top 10 because it's it was amazing and we even saw it just in the small grand lake theater and people were, were going crazy i mean it's the hardest i've ever laughed going to any movie i mean i've yeah. even um maybe even more than when we saw hot fuzz honestly because it's just you can't believe this stuff these guys are doing um and it's so just beautifully conceived and i think what is ticks it into like a little bit more of the like more fun than just seeing crazy stuff is I think there's a real like camaraderie of these guys. Like there's a real yeah. sense of these guys. They actually, as much as they're causing physical harm to each <laughs> other, sometimes not even with the consent of the other person. It's just, um, there's an affection between them and it's like kind of has the feeling of like, getting together with your friends and like messing with them and doing except taking the, the pranks you do on your friends or your siblings, but taken to like the most insane uh, degrees yeah well and and i think um the camaraderie element obviously is um is an important one and i think something that that strings all of those movies together along but but also the the positive story of all of those movies where you know i guess in context jackass one where they're basically you know living in in you know on the streets they've they have no money you know they're not mm -hmm. they're not really fa they had the mtv show but they're not really you know they're not really a thing they're not fa they got paid like 600 bucks for every episode that they were yeah, on. Whatever, yeah right. you know? um and then you know two which i think is like they're most insane they're they're mm -hmm. like off, i think i've seen that one yeah. off the chain of like what they're doing because they're all on drugs uh -huh. and then so you know three people are getting clean and sober but now they're just old and there's yeah there's that's this, another aspect of it there's a sense of like we kind of made it on the other side we uh -huh. we went through this real dark period where we were we were not sure that we were we were all gonna survive right and right. you know we're we've come out on the on the other side and i will say here's the thing you know to back up my claim that this is my favorite movie of the year it has an 85 tomato meter and a 91 on uh, for the audience score. No, so, I mean, I don't know how you could watch this movie and not think it's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Um, so that that's my that's my number one. But um, wow. 
you know that that so that's my list that's that's 2022 and in the year of movies an unexpected number one um yeah maybe i should have i should put jackass but whatever my okay so doing mine so my number 10 is a movie called funny pages which is really like the small movie that i only saw because my friend maureen like texted me like let's go it was at the grand lake i was like all right um it's this movie about this kid who's really um obsessed with kind of that robert have you seen crumb i yeah i yeah, really I, really loved crumb. i've never seen it but it's like that style of comic comic drawing where it's kind of um uh kind of anarchic and a little bit a little bit disgusting and this yeah. movie has the kind of feel of those and also the feel of these um it really feels like a like an indie movie from the 90s or 2000s where it's it's a lot of like handheld and kind of 16 millimeter and i think the movie does take place in modern times but it feels like it's a period piece mm-hmm. and it's just a movie about this kid who's kind of from an upper class family but he kind of wants to be um live the life of a, of a struggling artist and kind of um understand what it's like to to uh make art from that kind of point of view and i mean he's such a awful just like nasty person i mean these, this movie definitely has a feeling of like a safety brothers movie in fact there's mm-hmm. a maybe one or two guys from safety brothers movies that appear in this one i'm not sure if they produced the movie but um in any case if it's if you like a movie with with unlikable characters which i like and i think it's something that's being uh, weaned out of a lot of movies especially american movies <laughs> yeah. of like oh no is this character likable enough it's like nah these these people are like horrible or just like really messed up but really interesting and really compelling and i found it not only um i'm not just saying like oh intellectually it was interesting it was a fun movie to watch i mean mm-hmm. i was on the edge of my seat for the 86 minutes or whatever just absolutely uh, riveted by this character and all the hijinks he gets up to um, and on top of that, just I felt like it was an interesting movie about kind of examining high and low art and the, the people who occupy those uh, spaces. And um, yeah, so kind of an underrated movie, Funny Pages. It's by Owen Klein, by the way, who's he, he was an actor in The Squid and the Whale. And he's also uh, I think he's the son of Phoebe Cates and uh, Kevin Klein. Oh. So another kind of layer to it of him being like this, this like nepotism kid who's making a movie about a kid who wants to be taken <laughs> seriously. But it is a good movie. It's like yeah. um, he, he did a great job. So that's my number 10 funny pages. Number nine um, is Richard Linklater's movie, Apollo 10 and a half, a space age childhood. That's funny. When I showed Isaac my video, he said it looked terrible because he didn't like the animation style. <laughs> but Isaac is wrong. I think I love the animation style of this movie. It's the sort of I don't think it's actual rotoscoping, but it's that style of sort of yeah, um, yeah. animation that that replicates kind of the general features of the actors on screen. But it's a really smart way to make a period piece, which is what this is. It's about the um, Linklater's childhood growing up during the moon landings, and very odd movie like for 40 or 50 minutes it's just jack black as basically young link leader just reminiscing about a bunch of different details of his childhood like everything from like stuff his mom made for lunch to you know what movies they went and saw and it's so kind of mundane and it shouldn't work but it's i think it's just absolutely beautiful and really um it's interesting and it's also it's if you're someone who grew up in that time or remembers that time, it also will probably trigger some nostalgia. And as a person who didn't grow up in that time, I just find it interesting because it's like, 
you know, people who make period pieces often you focus on the big events, and that's sort of what's interesting about he's taking this the biggest one, the biggest events of the 20th century, and then saying here's this giant thing, but also here's these little here's us eating, you know, uh, pouring uh, tomato sauce into our Frito packets and eating Frito pies and like these like really really quotidian details. Um, so in classic Linklater fashion, um, making something really interesting of of the mundane. Uh, so my number nine, Apollo 10 and a half. Number eight was Tar. We talked about that. I think my number seven was uh, Barbarian. My number six was a documentary called All the Beauty of the Bloodshed. And this is about the activist uh, Nan Golden and about her. Um, it's sort of, it follows both her life and her career as a photographer during um kind of during the 1980s and the AIDS epidemic and sort of seeing how she's traversed like these huge um, events through her life. And then also following her and a group of activists um, sort of in their battle against the Sackler family and their, their sort of role in the opioid epidemic, not the most like light subject matter, but I thought in a time where I find a lot of documentaries really frivolous and kind of, not very interesting. This was a really um, detailed and um, a movie that really got to the core of who she is as a person and didn't get into this sort of fancy stuff. It just showed her photo. It was weird how this detail stood out to me, but one aspect was they show her photographs and they just are still on the screen. There's no Ken Burns effect. There's no movement. And I, even though this seems like a small thing, I feel like in so many documentaries, they're like vying for your attention and they're like, we got to animate the images. I even noticed. I always they, hated that. Yeah. They animate the image. They make it 3d yeah. always annoys me. And this movie, because she's a photographer, of course, you're not going to do this. <laughs> um, so it, it sort of just let her tell the story and mm -hmm. it's just, she's kind of one of basically the only talking head for big portions of it. And, um, this is by Laura Poitras, by the way, who made, um, citizen Four, that documentary. She went to, uh, Edward Snowden, Edward Snowden, so I thought that that's, this is really interesting, great documentary. Um, let's see. My number five is Babylon. My number four is Armageddon Time, which is James Gray's sort of study of his childhood. And another another movie, in the, like Link Linklater, like Spielberg, doing a movie about his childhood. This being just one of the darkest versions of that and really a kind of a... Um, one of the most uncompromising in terms of showing his parents for all their flaws, like even more than Spielberg, honestly, mm -hmm. like he really was went unvarnished. And he's, he's got uh, Jeremy Strong playing his father and uh, Anne Hathaway as his mother. And um, just a movie of a lot of like childhood guilt and, and, and uh, was quite powerful. And then I think we covered my first three, which my third, number three is Banshees. Number two is Nope. Number one is the Fablements. I and mean, those first two almost could be yeah. interchangeable. Yeah. So that's that's my list. Um, well, what do you think about this year? Was it was it good? Was it bad? I think this is kind of a, a meh year. Mm. Um, not as bad as 2020, but uh, <laughs> but still good. You know, it, it had some good stuff. I mean, this, these are all good movies. All the stuff we talked about. I mean, I, other than everything everywhere, I liked all the movies on your list. I mean, that I didn't have. <laughs> um, I don't think you've seen any of the others on mine, but no. um, it's it's fine. I mean, it's fine. It's, um, as we said, there's always good movies. It just, just feels like there's, the, the bench isn't as deep as it's been in other 
in other years. Yeah. Um, well, I won't, I ju- I guess I just want to quickly talk about the twenties. Yeah. We we don't. How how long have we been going? Well, an hour and seven. So you know. Okay. okay. We've hit our quota. Okay. But <laughs> yeah. Um, but for me, this the standout. We did put together just a little list of yeah the, the top my, of the twenties. My idea behind this was just um. Less to, I mean, I thought it'd be interesting to name our favorite movies of the decade so far, but even more than that, I think what what I wanted to get out of this is looking at how does this first three years of the 20s compare to the first three years of the teens, if you look at what had come out of that point, um, I guess that would be April 20, uh, 2013. So um, we're not going to like talk about all these movies, just just rattle off. Like, what, what do you have for your best of the... 20s list yeah so my uh i put 10 as dune um nine as the last duel eight as top gun maverick seven as barbarian six is the fablemans five jackass pig number four west side story number three licorice pizza number two and the father number one. Oh wow and i think the father i think the father still is probably the best movie could be the best movie of the last five years, even. I mean, over the I, Irishman. Um, it's close. I mean, it's wow. it's up there. Wow. But okay. I I I really loved the the father. I think it's powerful. Movie. Um, yeah. it's one of the the most interesting in terms of form. It's one of the most interesting in terms of um what it does. It's reserved and it's it's incredibly sad and poignant, and it does everything that that movie needed to do. Mm. And I I think it's. I think it's head and shoulders above most movies that have come out in the, you know, okay. the past couple of years. So. Yeah. Well, well, I then and did you did you put, get back on there or you left it off? Because I left not, it off. You didn't really watch it. Because technically, the, it's not really. You watch one it episode. It doesn't count. <laughs> it would be high up there. Yeah, I guess. Okay, I'll leave off the miniseries I was going to put on mine. So, okay, my my list would have been would be for the twenty twenty so far. Pig, nine days. Um, another round, or maybe another round, nine days. Um, Banshees of Inishirin, worst person in the world. Nope, Fablemans. Let's see. West Side Story. Let them all talk. I'm not. I'm messing. I'm missing one. God damn it! <laughs> I want to just like take this over again. I thought I could do it by memory. I'm so sorry, Cameron. <laughs> it's okay. I'm going to just l- let it ring and let everybody be wait in suspense. No, please don't. <laughs> That's so embarrassing. Oh, licorice pizza, I forgot. <laughs> okay, okay. That's sorry. your number one? Or no, no? that would be, okay. Pig, another round, nine days, banshees, nope, worst person in the world, Fableman's, Licorice Pizza, West Side Story, Let Them All Talk. Okay. Um, yeah. That's what, I mean, that's a solid list. It's just, no, these are all both solid lists. I mean, this is like really high level stuff. Let Them All Talk, by the way, you should really see. Like, that's an awesome okay. movie. It's really, really Steven Soderbergh and Steven Spielberg to be like own the decade so far. Because <laughs> Soderbergh, in terms of he's just made, he's already made, what, four movies, I think. All of them are good. And he made the best movie of the decade. And then Spielberg's made like two hands down great movies. Um, but then it's like the thing about this when I was when I first made this list is um, I went back to the 
you know, 2010s, I'm like, what do we have? Even just in these first three years, you already had Inception. You already had Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, Margaret, <laughs> Tree of Life, The Social Network, True Grit, The Dark Knight Rises, um, uh, Django Unchained, Cloud Atlas. I mean, it just was pretty heavy duty stuff. I mean, again, this is not a scientific comparison because these movies obviously meant a little more to us because we were like 13 and getting into <laughs> movies. But I think honestly, even if you were, if I was seeing those movies for the first time this year, you would be like, yeah, Margaret is a masterpiece. You know, uh, Social Network is a masterpiece. You don't have to have been, um, you don't have to have nostalgia for that to be, uh, for that, for you to have that feeling about them. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, even 2012, um, you know, there was, uh, Moonrise Kingdom, which I love. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah sure. Amazing. End of watch. Um, Silver Linings playbook. Yeah. Which I also love. Um, but I feel like even 2010, 2011, like these years just had, had hits after hits. Mm -hmm. I mean, like you said, and those are big movies. Some of those are big movies. Social like, network, I mean, is is really is just exceptional out of that out of that list. Um, and so is Inception. I mean, I feel like I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to imagine a world where um, we're getting that volume of just heavy hitters, at, you know, every other year or whatever mm -hmm. um, from from guys like Fincher and and Nolan and. Um, you know what's what's also weird? I wonder if it's a what? I'm just looking at how Social Network it made 220 million dollars. Can you imagine a movie like that <laughs> with like no like not movie star leads and it's just a drama about guys suing each other makes that much money? Yeah, I mean uh, that's insane. It, yeah. Um, well, but, but I was I was gonna say um, I doesn't it feel like the volume that people are putting out movies has gotten smaller as well i don't know it might have gotten bigger honestly it just is a bunch of like really really small movies no i just mean like but like in nolan, terms of like in theaters nolan was doing a movie every year every other year back in that oh that time in terms of the auteur people right he was doing he he you know 06 to 2012 he was doing a movie a year right until he took two years to make um no 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 he he always he always did every other year but it was still he he, he did it? every other year and then it became oh, I, yeah, it became so. three years after um dunkirk i think or, or yeah. interstellar to dunkirk was three years and then fincher i mean what's he doing yeah He's, that's crazy he did well he, he did he did button in 08 and then he did social network 10 and then dragon tattoo 2011 well he just got into tv i guess he did he did they did gone girl this 2014 and they just pieced out for yeah six years before he made Mank. so i don't know yeah i guess maybe they're more prolific also they're just like i don't know everyone was younger everyone's maybe a little bit more you know like that clint was just popping off stuff every year at that point yeah I mean, clint made what like five movies between 2008 to 2011 i mean or maybe, maybe four movies i mean um he's still he's he's working on another one now but but back then those would actually be big um you know pretty significant movie a movie like invictus or whatever or grand torino 
even someone like Tarantino, who was always kind of spotty in between mm-hmm. um, his movies, you know, he makes Hateful Eight in 2015 and then, you know, takes four years to make mm-hmm. Once Upon a Time. And now he's just starting to write his newest movie, mm-hmm. you know, four years later after right. that. So it's like, it's, you know, these guys have, have gotten, Spielberg might be the only one who's just like, he's just, still cranking just, it you know, yeah. But but for the rest of them, they're just taking their sweet time. I don't know. I mean, what it, what what could I say about that? I think <laughs> I think that's part of it. I think it's also at, at the core of all of this is just that movies are less central to culture and less sort of, um, I don't know, a movie like The Social Network being a really big thing like that, like a phenomenon, I guess you could call it. In 2010, I feel like that just sort of... I mean, it's not, it can't not, it's not like it can't happen because everything everywhere we saw it did sort of happen, but I don't know. It just is, it feels like things are different. Everything everywhere, by the way, that there's something that bothers me about that movie. That's not the movie itself. It's just about the the acclaim of the movie that bothers me. And really, I (laughs) swear this has nothing to do with the movie. Like this is not a diss on it at all. But what bothers me is that I feel like it represents something that movie being so beloved it represents something troubling to me i see which is that the reason that that movie was so successful i think is it it crossed over between people who are interested in uh, dramas but don't don't care about action movies and people who like action movies but don't care about dramas because it sort of brings the two together and actually to its credit sometimes i mean well i I, I don't think it doesn't do it that well but but it's I, I respect the attempt. And what I feel troubling about it is that if you make a movie that's if you if if the Daniels made a movie that was just the family drama, there's so many people who wouldn't have seen it yeah. because they would have yeah. been like, oh, this is just a bore. You know, people who see that as just kind of boring. And then there's people who don't take action movies seriously. They don't they don't take genre movies seriously. And if there's fighting in a movie, it's considered kind of lowbrow who don't seek that version of the movie out and i thought it's sort of interesting that my two favorite movies this year kind of were those two things you know the fablemans is this drama that people are like oh like okay this seems kind of just boring and not not anything that interesting or entertaining and the nope is a movie that's a genre movie it's a it's an action thriller sci-fi horror movie but you know I, i just feel like People notice it with everything everywhere because it's very obvious that it's doing both <laughs> things. But I think people f- often fail to give credit to a movie like Nope. Also, Top Gun Maverick falls into this. Avatar falls into this where those movies have a lot going on under the surface. And, and Nope in particular, it, there is a family story going on. And I think it's as or definitely more touching than the one in Everything Everywhere. But it's just more subterranean. It's, it's not as much on the surface and then to me the fablemans is as entertaining like i find it fun to watch as much as a a top gun maverick but i think it doesn't i don't know it's like people don't realize that you can get that kind of entertainment out of just a drama i think i really think people um they they i don't think people thought about it like that I think people appreciated the creativity of the movie mm-hmm. more so than anything. And they've mm-hmm. never seen a movie like that, that tackled, you know, these things, but also was very, you know, touching in some ways and, and had this, this balance of, you know, 
philosophy and also just craziness and, and yeah wildness. it was a combination of, of spectacle and emotion yes and Which, I th- again i respect I, to be fair theory. i think i yeah. i think it does it well often not always um mm-hmm. but it does uh, it sometimes does yeah yeah I, I like the finale of it i guess um i don't know this is not, i'm not well, trying to slag anyways. off everything everywhere it's it's not a bad movie what bothers me about the movie is that it people are just talking about it everywhere i just can't i I, people people really love it i mean it's okay it's a good movie okay i i like it and all but um but it showed up in my easter service the other day. what what do you mean (laughs) they uh the pastor was talking about it a little bit and i was like why (laughs) well I can see. I just. I don't mind that. I mean, no, no. I'm. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm mostly kidding about that. But, uh, but as in, that's not a bad thing. And that's not a reason to hate the movie. But I'm just. Saying, it is. But it is a little. It got annoying how ubiquitous it was. Yes, I think. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Um. Yeah. I. It I was, just liked it before it became ubiquitous. I just want to make it clear. It was, I think we were both kind of mad, mad yeah. on it uh, when it came out, and and I, I still, to be fair, I still am. I know it's in my top ten, but I've only seen like. 15 movies. 15 movies but you just you didn't have the balls to put ambulance on your list camera <laughs> you really just should have but you know uh that's okay well anyways we should wrap it up but i feel like this uh was a good talk we yeah. we were pretty dismissive of uh of the state of movies but yeah yeah, yeah it, it's it's concerning but i think the, the one i want to close on is just like this year feels like I don't know. I, it feels like we have potential to be back. That's true. It could be. This could be another 2019 year. We've got Oppenheimer. We've yeah. got uh, Killers of the Sc- Flower Moon. Scorsese, Scorsese and Scorsese has another movie too, a documentary. Um, um, there's uh, you said the Killer, uh, David Fincher. The Fincher's movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, really, Scott has a Napoleon movie. That's pretty cool. That is cool. Uh, I think it's only a few days from now. There's a new Ari Aster three hour horror phantasmagorical thing he did is that that's coming out yeah bo's afraid yeah oh wow so i mean he's he's one of our more interesting young yeah filmmakers um there's 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 a few stuff a few things out there that are that are coming out and also stuff that's not dated like uh link later has a movie coming out and um i'm sure spike has something coming out because he makes a movie like every year um there's there's just a lot where i it, it's the following that thread of Babylon and Avatar where I just feel like maybe things are not are not over completely. And, and maybe there's some hope to be. I mean, Paul Schrader is a movie coming out. There's a new. Oh, yeah. And then the whole like um, Mission Impossible. Oh, right. Seven. Right, right, right. Barbie by Greta Gerwig. I'm no, sure that's that, bad. I'm sure uh, the Mission Impossible movies we'll talk about endlessly. Yes. This, yes, I think so. This show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dune Part 2. Right, yeah. New Alexander Payne. I, I don't know. I just feel like there's there's some potential here. I know. I'd like to yeah, go back to like how we were talking about 2022 when if we had all this kind of hope pent up. But No, I, I, I kind of agree. I think... I think this year maybe we could be back. This could be another 2019 type of year. Right? I don't, I I don't want to go that far. I just, I don't I think that's pretty hard to imagine. But, well, I I mean uh, if, Scorsese, you if know, the yeah. Fincher and the Scorsese movie kill, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And Nolan, yeah. It's true. So, um yeah, so there there is hope. There is hope. You're right. <laughs> At least for this year. After that, you know, there's nothing. 
we're we're dead. That's not no, that's not true either. Because then <laughs> the year after that, it's uh, George Miller's back. New new Mad Max movie. That oh yeah, that's new Mad true, Max yeah. and Tarantino. I mean he was back this year too. But you know we yeah, didn't talk. Sorry, we didn't talk sorry, about George. That your movie was kind of mid. Um, but yeah. yeah, I know it's about. It's funny. This is like what Soderbergh when he talks about how you sell a movie to the the uh, studio. You have to always end with at the end of the day. It's about hope, and that's kind of how we're, <laughs> we're ending this podcast. True, but I do, true. I do believe it. I'm not just BSing here. Yeah, well, I mean, hopefully, hopefully we're right. Hopefully this year will be good. I said that about 2020 though, and look what happened there. Remember back in my well, 2019. Hopefully, it's not another friggin' global pandemic. So. Plandemic. I didn't say plandemic. What did you say? You say I said plandemic. <laughs> I think you read. Roll back the tape. Roll back the tape. He said plandemic. Cameron, <laughs> why are you trying to smear me? Like I literally didn't say that. I'm just kidding. He didn't. But he he did say it. It was just an accident. <laughs> All right. Well, lot, we'll man. see you. We'll see you next week. Cinema Spectator is an ECFS Productions podcast that is fully funded on Patreon.com. Shout out to our producers, Darren O'Neill, for supporting the show and to the rest of you that support us at Patreon.com slash ECFS Productions. If you want to learn more about the benefits you can get, check out our Patreon. The show cannot happen without you great listeners, so we thank you for all your kindness and support.